Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I would talk to myself pre-heat um, and I'd say words and it would mostly be about doing everything for mum, mm. but it, it, it just didn't work. I felt like, and then I'd come in and I'd be sitting out there looking at this guy, asking mum for a way. It's like, she ain't going to just send one. Like, that's mm. not how this this works. Um, but now how I look at it is I do it for me in memory of her. And I feel like as soon as I clicked that way, it's been a huge thing for me. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. Hello to all of you good humans out there. Welcome back to Good Humans Podcast. My name is Cooper Chapman and it is great to be here for another guest episode. As always, welcome to any new listeners. It's great to have you here because you're going to learn something today, hopefully, because this episode is one that I found very special. I've never had goosebumps so much in an episode. If you are new here, please hit that subscribe button. Please hit that follow button. It would be awesome to have you come back. Make sure you go back through our catalog. There's so many amazing chats with so many inspiring people. So yeah, get involved. If you are coming back, a big thank you for continuing to come back. It's so great to see how many people are really enjoying the podcast. I'm having so much fun having these conversations and it's so special knowing how many people are getting a lot out of it. So big thanks to everyone who's coming back. If you are enjoying the podcast, please tell your friends about it. Please share it on your Instagram stories, tag us, tag the guests, because it's so cool to know that these conversations being spread far and wide. And yeah, I really, really enjoy having them. Today's episode is a very special one. Good friend of mine, Jackson Baker, he is an incredible surfer. He's just qualified for the World Surf League World Tour. He's from Newcastle, Merriweather Beach to be specific. And we actually had this conversation in the middle of the event that was running at Newcastle last week from when this podcast is coming out. After we recorded, a few days later, he actually won the event. So he's been in serious form. He's an amazing, amazing young surfer. But his story is unlike many he's a very very humble guy he's gone through some serious ups and downs one thing i will say in this chat he does talk about losing his mum to cancer so a bit of a trigger warning but it's a very heartfelt story he's very open very vulnerable and i'm so grateful that he could share that because i know so many of you out there will get a lot out of it he also talks about some of the great stories that me and him have had on the tour traveling the way that he had to go and get a job while he was um still competing as a pro surfer. He quit his job, backed himself into the surf tour, and he's achieved some of his biggest dreams over the last 12 months. So let's get straight into it. Welcome to Good Humans Podcast, Jacko Baker. How are you, brother? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me. Mate, it's great. It's great to catch up. We are here in Newcastle right now. There's a surf comp down the road at Surface. I lost. I'm bummed. No, I'm not that bummed. I'm um, stoked that I could get to catch up with you and make the trip worthwhile. So, mate. 
it's good to catch up. It's been a crazy year for you. How have you been? What's been happening? Yeah, it's been a good year. Um, it's good to be here at home in the bedroom I grew up in. It's pretty funny. We've um made a pretty cool little studio in here, which is pretty cool. But nah, it brings back good memories. Here at a contest I've grown up at, um, come through the ranks. So yeah, to just be competing on home turf is pretty cool. And to catch up with you, we've been on the road together for a long time and haven't seen each other probably probably since I qualified. So it's good to catch up. Yeah, it is really nice to catch up. It's been a really cool journey. Obviously, we've been family friends for a long time. You've been a few years younger than me and it's been nice watching your journey and supporting you through your journey and getting to see the ups and downs. And we've both had similar parts in our careers with um, different things, which we will talk about as we go through the chat. But I start all my guests. I'm actually going to start something different today. And I, I, I've been thinking about a new way to start my podcast, but I want to start with something. What's one thing you're grateful for in life? One thing I'm grateful for, just being able to surf. I think that's probably the biggest thing I'm grateful for. Just having something that you love, regardless of the competitive side, just to being able to go to the beach. And I felt like it really helped with things I've been through. Like you said, we'll talk about, I think just getting in the ocean and washing that off. And I know you're always coming from a surf pretty happy. So I'm very grateful for that. Epic. All right. That was, you're the first person I've ever thrown that question at the start. So it's going to be a new little segment. But how I normally start the podcast, I like to ask people, what was your family like, like, life like as a kid? Where'd you grow up? And yeah, what was the sort of values and the things that you're interested in from as you're a kid growing up before, let's say the age of high school? Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a great upbringing. Um, very lucky. Great supportive mum and dad. Elder sister definitely kept me in line. But um, yeah, just grew up little ginger ginger chubby little red nut but um yeah just enjoyed surfing enjoyed hanging with my friends and um i think at the start i was quite a good young competitive surfer from from a young age um dad yeah helped me through that and had a fair few good results when i was around 11 and stuff like that but then you go through those tricky years when you get older um with competitive and yeah on to now but yeah younger years um Really, really just enjoyed being around home with my friends, being a kid. Um, very lucky to, like I said, um, dad was a surfer. Mum was a tennis player when she was younger. So I definitely had that competitive nature um, for surfing, uh, which was pretty cool. And yeah, just playing soccer. I played soccer at a young age. Um, dad always kept me in a team sport from probably like the age of eight till 14 or 15 when surfing started to get more serious. So Saturdays were all about going to soccer in the morning and then going to watch my sister play netball in the middle of the day. So had a pretty, pretty normal Aussie upbringing, had all those team sports, but surfing was definitely that one thing that I always wanted to get to after those team sports on the Saturday morning. Yeah, I love that. I feel like there's it comes up a lot. I was speaking at Liam O'Brien's podcast came out today, the day that we're recording this. And he talks about getting into AFL until he was sort of 14, 15. I always speak about on the podcast that I played rugby union quite competitively until I was 14, 15. But for us surfers, I feel like that you just get dragged to the ocean. I mean, for me, the contact sport and like the team sport was really enjoyable. But then surfing just, yeah, I think the ocean, like you said, that's why you're probably so grateful for it, has a special powers. And when did you sort of realize that surfing was a career path that you wanted to take? Um, yeah, it kind of took a while. Um, like I said, I had those good young results. I felt like I was pretty dominant in those 11, that age of 11 under 12s and then kind of everyone grew and I started getting whipped around 14 and then kind of came good again in the 16s. But yeah, I guess everyone goes through that period when you're young, everyone grows, puberty, everything like that. Everyone has, it all hits at different stages. You have that weird stage you probably had where your boards are too short and you're growing and you can't keep up. 
with how fast you're growing. So, um, yeah, had those tricky years. But when, so once it came to the juniors, I was pretty adamant that I wanted to be a professional surfer. Um, even those years were pretty tricky as well. I missed out on world juniors by one spot two years in a row. I think I finished fifth on the rankings two years in a row and had that tricky year where they bring it back down to, I think it was under 18s um, from 21. So, but once I got dad adjusted, we adjusted with Mick Kane and my dad were like, yep, let's start doing some QS and see if you can make some heats and went to Japan and got a fifth off straight off the bat in a one star. Um, I think it was, maybe it was a third. It was something pretty, it was like top five and I was pretty stoked. So that kind of got me in the ball moving and then went to Europe for the first time just to build the points and once I kind of did that, I was like, this QS thing is pretty cool and kind of just wanted to stick at it. But like I said, everything's always pretty hard. But mm. I think when I really believed that I could be a professional surfer, probably wasn't until last year, like com- completely wholeheartedly. Like, I mean, you're always telling yourself that's what you want to do. But mm. it wasn't until I got the wild card into the Newcastle CT and got to match myself against those guys. I surfed two heats against Italo and only lost marginally and, Felt like I surfed good competitive heats, and I was like, "All right, I'll probably probably do have this. Let's give this a full full decent crack." Yeah, I love that. It would have been so special getting to compete in front of the home crowd as well. First CT event. I want to rewind a little bit because this will set up the story well. What was high school like for you? What were the goals and aspirations going through high school? Because I feel like a lot of people get quite lost and don't know what they want to do. Whereas young athletes generally have that career path set. What was high school like for you, and what were you, let's say your fallback if surfing wasn't going to be your option. Yeah, I guess everyone talks about a fallback plan B, especially through school. I think a lot of the teachers drill that into you that, especially for us athletes, they would especially be like, surfers. yeah, especially surfers. Like I through school, that none of them really believed that surfing was a sport or could be a job. And um, I was lucky enough to have sponsors and stuff with Ripco at such a young age, so I was actually lucky enough to be competing and. So I was actually out of school a lot of the time, but the teachers are always drilling into me that I needed a plan B, but I never really got around to one. I think I just academically, my auntie's a um, maths tutor and she she believed that I was quite good at maths, but I just, I just hated sitting there. I I'm, I'm, don't think I have ADHD, but I really struggle to do, just sit down and mm. be attentive. So yeah, through school, I was definitely not the best or the most well-behaved um high school student i definitely was a bit of a rat bag um got some after school detentions and some like lunch detentions and stuff like that nothing major but just not being attentive in class and just being the chatterbox out the back it was always like jackson come sit at the front i need to keep an eye on you and stuff like that because i always had my mind on other things surfing um traveling because by the time i got to those later teens at 15 16 i was kind of already on the qs 15 16 17 so i was already traveling the world had a lot of life skills um but i think my fallback was just like i probably just have to i don't know get an apprenticeship and 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 labor um but um that's when mum and dad gave me the bit of the ultimatum of you either finish year 11 and 12 or go go get an apprenticeship and I was just like, well, can't really do an apprenticeship and still follow my dreams. So I stuck at it at school. And, yeah, I think around that year 11 and 12, though, I, I, pull, I pulled it a bit out and pulled my head in a bit and was like, I'm actually here. Mum and dad are spending a lot of money on on education, um, actually get something out of it and, and show that I am there to 
don't know, be be out, um, be there and enjoy it. Um, I think that was probably the best thing, though, just being there year 11 and 12 with your friends is probably it shapes who you are and it's pretty character building, like growing up with those same people and you kind of like go through school and you move through friend groups. Like you, I'm still friends with all of my mates, which is super cool, but you do feel like you move around friend groups and I've gained a lot of friends through moving to year 11 and 12 because it was a different school where uh-huh. three schools came together. So I've gained some of my best mates out of that and I didn't get an ATAR, but I got the HSE mark yeah. and, and passed. So I felt like that was a, a huge accomplishment for me and especially um, those years I was, um, mum was unwell. Um, so I felt like just being at school was a good distraction, being with my friends and we're still competing on the QS and the juniors at that time. So I think just to finish school and be doing all those things on the outside was a big accomplishment for me. Yeah, absolutely. I felt very similar. My parents were like, well, you're only going to get one chance at school. And so often kids like drop out and don't really know what they want to do because they hate school where it's like, if you can learn to love it. And it sounds like you kind of had that mindset shift. And I think it does take that maturity. And sometimes it does take until those last couple of years to realize, wait a second, the teachers are only here to help me. Yeah. Yeah. We try and like when we're in the young years, bounce back against it. And I love how you touched on the life skills of traveling and getting to experience the world. It's something I do talk about a lot on this podcast because all my guests generally are top athletes or people who are quite well traveled. How special was that for you getting to experience different cultures and how much do you think that shaped the person you are today? I think it's huge. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have had it any other way. I think we're very lucky as athletes, professional surfers, to be able to just travel the world and, and experience different cultures, different communities, even just the aspects of travel, just learning how to pack your bags, being underweight, trying to sweet talk the flight hostess into not charging you for oversized bags. I think just all of those things are just very character building and um, knowing how to do that on your own. I mean, I did mostly QS just with the boys and my dad's not really around. Once you get to that age, it's pretty much fend for yourself. So just those life lessons of even just balancing losses, um, Mm. learning, not learning how to lose. I guess I think there's all quotes about we lose a lot more than we win. So. If you can learn how to lose well, um, then the wins will be a whole lot sweeter. So I, I guess that took me a whole long time as well. I was about to say that. I've, I've, I've watched you yeah, a couple of I've had a fair few spits, but um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they probably shaped me to mm. who I am now. I'm a lot more, lot more modest and grateful for being able to compete. I think as a kid, you having a hot head and thinking that the judges are against you or I don't know, people that even running the contest and even just being here at home, I get to reflect on some of the performances I've had here. I've, yeah, probably made some pretty bad calls with after heat. Um, tantrums. Yeah, tantrums <laughs> or acting. But yeah, 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 I mean, I wouldn't have it. I mean, yes, you'd love to clean it all up and say that you wish that you didn't do it. But are. yeah, make sure you are. And I mean, now, now I know how to, how to lose. Mm. Um, and I think that's probably the biggest thing, like, and especially with, the mental health side, just knowing how to do that. And no one teaches you how to do that. You've just got to go through it yourself and and and, and chat to people about it and find the best way to cope with your losses and, and move forward. I think that's probably the biggest life skill is losing in a contest isn't the be-all and end-all. There's so much more to life. And if you're acting those ways after something like that, then when something really happens in life, it's going to come around and bite you on the bum. Yeah, and I know... And for people listening who don't fully understand surfing, like I'll paint the picture. We basically 
there's not much money in surfing. So we're like struggling to get the cash to go to the next event. You'd spend your life savings to get to Europe for a surf comp. They screw up the scheduling. So we only have one event. It costs you five grand to go do it. And you lose in the first 20 minutes by a fraction of a point based on what could have been the judging's decision. It's a hard pill to swallow. (laughs) And I think we've all, like everyone probably could speak from experience, me, you, all the boys, even the boys were all on the Challenger Series. Like everyone had something like that happen and it's not the best thing to happen. But like, like I said, it probably shaped you or them or us into the competitors that we are now and or just the people like yeah that's probably the biggest life challenge is balancing all that like like you said there's not much money through those lower tier events even the top tier events compared to other sports we don't get paid a lot we do it for the love of it and do it for that competitive nature and yeah just learning how to lose and like learning how to win as well like i think learning from the losses then makes you a better winner and you're a lot more grateful and appreciative for those results i feel like when i was young even when i did win i was it didn't didn't taste as good as what it does now now i know what i know from what i've learned from probably the mistakes that i've made and learned from yeah and you've been through some tough times you did touch on briefly when you're talking about school that your mum got sick in those last couple of years of school I spoke to Billy Stammond earlier in the um, Good Humans podcast. I think it was episode eight. I just listened to it before listening to this because I wanted to get some touch points with you because you guys have quite a similar story with um, what happened with your mum. Do you want to talk about your mum's illness, how that affected you and that journey you've been on? Because I've seen a massive shift in you as a person since going through that. And it's really cool to see how you've taken it on and grown from it. Yeah, for sure. Definitely been a tricky, tricky journey, but um I mean, firstly, I'm very lucky just to have had the time that I had with her. Um, Mum was diagnosed first with breast cancer probably around the age of three for me. I was three years old. Wow. So I kind of missed the first kind of part of the illness. I was so young, don't really remember it, but doctors would be coming around, she'd be going up for chemo and stuff like that. So, But then, yeah, after that point growing up, like, I kind of knew that mum had been unwell and stuff like that and she'd go for checkups and kind of got to that later age and she got the all clear and things were all good and um yeah around those teenage years we're actually in bali um me dad and mum for a just a like a holiday um we're just over there and mum one day she's just complaining about her eye she couldn't really see out of i can't remember exactly what eye it was but one of her eyes and um i they went to the hospital or something to get it checked out and i didn't know at the time but they knew that it was a tumor like a cancerous tumor on her eye and i because i was there i think it was like one of those surfing life trips with andrew shield dad just didn't tell me he wanted to just enjoy it Mm. um not bear the bad news that it's come back type thing um i was probably 16 17 at the time so still at school as well um, and then, yeah, came home after that and kind of got told and because mum was going to Sydney every week for treatment. And, yeah, like that treatment worked really well. Like she was really, she was still mum. She was cruising, like did, didn't lose her hair again and stuff like that. And she was still living life happily and things felt like, okay, like we can, we can, we can work with this. This will, this will all be all right. Um, and then, yeah, that's when things kind of went downhill pretty fast after that. She just started feeling quite crook and just the cancer had come back in because it was originally breast cancer and then it just pretty much was just tumours everywhere, um, lungs and stuff. I don't know the ins and outs of yeah. it because, I mean, but, yeah, it, it came back and it hit her like a brick shit house. And, um, 
but still we stayed positive we thought that she'd done it once why not like why can't we do it again and i mean with all the cancer treatments and the research like anything's possible so mm. definitely didn't lose faith too fast but that year coming into um 2016 um yeah she was all right and then i went to japan actually and i won my first qs um that one at tahara was really small waves and i'm a pretty big lad so i was pretty surprised to win there but that was a pretty special feeling and um i was actually at my hotel where i was staying with fraser Devell and i just had this feeling he was flying home a day earlier i was just like, oh, i've got this feeling i've got to get home on the day earlier um so i called connor so it was it was expensive but i just had this feeling i was like, i've got to i just want to be home like there's mm. some something that i need to be home for booked the flight won 10 grand the comp so it didn't really matter at the time i was like i just want to get home and yeah lucky enough i came home that day the net the, the day early and we had dinner here at home with mum, dad, and my sister, and I think maybe Emily, my girlfriend, was here, and that was the last time mum's ever been home was that night. So, oh, man, it's spot. crazy, yeah, crazy things that, yeah, you you meant. I don't know if if you ever get an instinct Intuition, to just follow, eh? just just do it. A eh? like that thousand bucks was for me to be home for my mum was the last time ever, and I think that was early August, and yeah, um, later that month she 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 passed away. So kind of got told a couple of days later that things weren't looking too good and it was probably weeks rather than months but we all thought she probably still had years and um mm. i think we got told that and then yeah four days later she was she was she was gone so yeah gets me a bit teary talking about yeah, it. i don't man, talk I, about it too much I, but I, no i think uh, it's good to talk about though i feel like that's kind of where I'm going to move on to talk about. I feel like for a long time there, I didn't talk about it. Mm. And that was the worst part because you bottle those emotions up. Yeah. Especially in that last week, I before she passed, when we knew that it wasn't good and she was in the cancer ward and up at the John Hunter there, um, I had a had an episode at the airport over a park with a fella. And it was just bottled everything up. I don't... Mm. I don't before then, I would never cry. I just, I don't know what it was. But now I find if I cry, it is the best thing. Like mm. you let, you just feel like everything you've bottled up, you just let it go. Mm. And if you feel good after it. And it took me a while to learn that. Um, but yeah, had that episode and burst out in dad's arms up in the, because he's like, what happened? And I didn't realize that that bloke was there for his family member as well that was probably going through a similar thing. So that 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 hit pretty hard to me. And yeah, just about balancing your emotions and learning learning to cry and mm. um, just um, letting it all out. And I think after she passed, I I um, went to Europe. I think it was just that Europe. Like we had like the Spain event, uh, the Azores, and then I think it was still at Carcavelis, the ten mm. the ten star. And yeah, Dad and Mariah, my my sister came. We stayed stuck all together. Mum was like, "We don't want you. I would never want you to stay at home." Um, it'd be too hard to start competing from January with rankings and points. She's like, just go. Yeah. Um, after she passed, so I'm glad I did that, and yeah, we stuck together really good as a family through that through that period. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for sharing. Nah. It's like so a serious goosebumps. Like I'm so appreciative. I know people listening will be so touched by it. If you are touched by it, make sure you send Jack a message and show your support because it's um it's a powerful thing to share. And after speaking to a few other guests on the episode, Billy Stammen for one, Ryan Callan and a good friend of yours who unfortunately lost, um, I think his dad passed away from yeah, cancer as well. Away. Yeah. So 
just hearing those stories is so powerful because it's crazy how common it is and it's so important like you said to be able to communicate and not try and bottle it up and the more i've spoken to people who have gone through things like this the more i've realized how important it is to talk and it's so amazing that you can share that story so a big thank you what was that next year like for you trying to because after speaking to both ryan and billy and a few other people who i know have grieved through some really difficult times that next year is really hard what was that journey like for you were you seeing anyone how did you find it competing and where did you get your drive from for that next year yeah i'm glad you asked because i kind of wanted to go on from there i was on yeah. a bit of a tangent then but yeah that was probably one of the trickiest even not even just that first year i feel like even the next four like mm. was just such a a weird journey that yes needed to happen but a lot of different things happened i feel like at the start, I felt like life was just going to give things to me because mm. I'd lost pretty much my everything. Like, yeah, love my dad, love my sister, love my missus, but like mum was, mum was number one. Like she, she was the most supportive surf mum, mate. She was that dedicated. Would sit down on the beach, drag me in to take me to school so I could surf that half hour longer rather than getting the bus and just, um, yeah, I mean, anyone, like, I mean, Billy, Ryan, you just you, do anything to have that one mm. last touch or a kiss or a hug. But um, that's what I guess now, later, I, I think about that stuff and even though it makes me sad, it makes me happy also. Um, and I try to look at that I was lucky, even just with the time that I got, like, mm. really, like, if, if life was really going to be that hard, mum could have been gone when I was three and the first time round and and I don't have a mum um, growing up, so... Just to be able to have mum round for the times that we had, I was super, super, super grateful for. Um, but, yeah, that next year or so, I feel like you just get, yeah, like I said, you expect things to just happen or everything just to go your way and competitively, definitely that 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 ain't happening. The QS is a grind and I feel like it was a tricky few, few years of competing, those results, there was mixed mixed emotions, there was sponsors. I was kind of I was kind of always around where I wanted to be, but I was never really quite cracking that top 100. I was always just outside the primes and fair few losses where I probably maybe acted out, but probably now I was older, I didn't act out in front of people. Um, just yeah, just the emotions were just over all you. You just like be overcome with emotion and you had to let it go and that would be out of anger um and for the first couple of years i just refused to talk to even dad about mum. like it's just like a thing that i just didn't talk about her or i didn't talk to anyone psychologically or anything like that and um i feel like i probably should have um and now that i know to talk that it's it makes life like everything a lot easier mm. so um yeah had those tricky years on the qs and i think i was surfing for her not for myself if that makes sense yeah. i felt like i would talk to myself preheat um and i'd say words and it would mostly be about doing everything for mum mm. but it, it, it just didn't work i felt like and then i'd come in and i'd be sitting out there looking at this guy asking mum for a way it's like she ain't gonna just send one like that's mm. not how this this works um but now how i look at it is i'd do it for me in memory of her and i feel like as soon as i clicked that way it's been a huge thing for me it's like i'm doing it for me in memory of her so it's not like i'm asking her to help me it's just like i hope i'm doing her proud and i feel like 
you don't have to win to make your mum proud. Like your mum's proud of you regardless. Like when I was young, she's the proudest mum regardless, win, lose, draw. Um, so once I kind of switched into that mental state, it, it, it's made competing a whole, whole lot, whole lot better from the mental side. Yeah. Wow. That's, um, it's really powerful and you articulate that so well. And I'm sure so many people, a few things I want to touch on for one, like the way that you just said that it took you years to open up, but it was the best thing that you did. I'm sure there's people listening right now who are going through some stuff that are finding it really hard to open up. So I'm sure you've inspired them to maybe take that step to open up. And two, the idea of expecting good things to happen to you because something bad's happened to you or because you're doing good in the world. I had a really interesting chat with Tom Carroll a couple of years ago. Actually, I don't think it was on the podcast, but I spoke to him about this. He get, gave me a bit of advice one day and I was like, fire, I'm doing all this good stuff for the good human factor. I'm trying so hard to make the world a better place. And like, it just seems like things aren't going my way. And he was like, you can't expect because of something that something else is going to yes. happen. He's like, you just got to put in the work. You just got to keep doing the work. And like you said, do it for yourself, not because you yeah. deserve something. Everybody deserves something. It's yeah. who puts in the work and who can drop that ego and just be like, you know what? All I can do is my best and that's pretty much it. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, once you start putting that anger or those emotions into positive places, like kind of turn to training, I was lucky enough to have, started training with Adam Tripaz and I was underneath Ryan. So I kind of got to see Ryan train and how he, I mean, I've lost a mum and he's lost both parents. So, I mean, he was a huge role model for me just to see how he, he dealt with it. And he, like, I mean, he's got a lot worse than me. Um, I mean, no one's like, yeah, like that way. But yeah, I felt like he's just such a good role model for me. I pretty much just try be like him and I hope that I'm, doing what i saw in him for other people younger than me like if anyone's listening to this and wants to reach out message me like if you're going through anything doesn't have to be breast cancer or anything 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 that family or whatever reach out um i'm happy to chat about it like i mean if i can use what i've been through to help other people through something similar i mean that's bigger than surfing for me um i mean yes you want to be a professional surfer and be on the ct but my biggest thing is using what I'm building into my platform is to help people through anything similar like that. Cause I mean, it's a, it's a tricky journey and there's no book that you can read that has mm. a list of how to, how to do it. I wish there was, it would make life a whole lot easier. Yeah, You've got to go through things to learn, but if you can have someone like myself or Ryan being through similar things, we can tell you things, things that we've learned along the way. Cause I mean, I think that, that, that goes a whole long way. For yeah, sure. and that's why I like love doing this podcast, giving you guys a platform to communicate with a br broad range of people. And anyone listening right now, if you have friends or family that is going through something, make sure you send this chat to them because I'm sure they'll learn from it and be inspired by it. I don't want to cut off that part of the story, but it's been amazing getting to chat about this and I know how important it is to you and I know how important it will be to everybody listening. So a big thank you, but I do want to get back into your surf career because it's yeah. been really cool the last well, couple of years. Well, that stuff will come back in, I reckon, like within the surf career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, of yeah, course. Sure. And it is, it's who you are and it's your character. And it's like you said, it's so cool that now you want to use your knowledge and use your story to inspire people. And I think not, not enough athletes do that, but not enough not enough successful people and athletes recognize the power of their storytelling. And I know how powerful getting to tell your story will be for so many people out there, but let's move into the last couple of years of your surfing because I'm going to get this year wrong, but 2021, yeah, last year, the start of the year, 
sponsorships really hard with surfing. You still had stickers on your board, but obviously you weren't making enough money because you were working a job. How hard was that to drop the ego and go and get a job and go, you know what, I'm not going to just like give up surfing and just go get a job to work and then also still compete? Because I know I went through that. I did two years on the tools working to fund my surf career before I started the Good Human Factory and now still same thing, like not making a dime, but just like grinding to get to where I need to be. How is that for you mentally going from I'm getting paid to surf a little bit enough to kind of support me to I need to get a job if I want to get to these next comms? Yeah, for sure. I think it was that after 2020, I started pretty well on the on the QS. I think I did good here in Nui and then I went down to Manly and got my biggest ever result in the 10-star there and I was like, all right. After those tricky years, I just missed out on the top 100, like little upgrades in contracts and stuff by places or being in the primes and whatnot. So. Um, things like that, and that year I was like, twenty twenty. This is this is my year. Um, I was like, all right, I'm work, I'm I'm doing it. Like, we're gonna go to Piha. Like, I'm feeling good. I've come home and surfing Dixon Park. We have to come home, pack my bags to fly to New Zealand the next morning, and and COVID comes and just knocks on the door. I thought it was a bit of a hoax, and and then yeah, that whole year kind of it was unknown, but everything kind of just went to shit. And a couple of weeks there, I just kind of cruised and surfed and. Just kind of watch my bank account go down, 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 not much coming in. And I was like, if this thing's going to be what it's going to be and what they're talking in the news, it's not just going to happen overnight. It's not like, hey, we're, we're back to normal. Um, so, yeah, ended up getting a job through my girlfriend, just through a, a, a bloke that went into her work that was looking for courier drivers. And I was like, that's an essential essential service, essential worker. I was like, well, that's not going to not work. Mm um yeah hit him up and got a call back that day and he's like yep coming tomorrow and pretty much had a job the next day and yeah started started d- delivering um pharmaceuticals to chemists just around newcastle and the central coast so that was quite good it was pretty easy like six six hour day start at six finish at midday so i still had that chance to surf and um only was doing casual a couple of days a week but it was, it was a couple hundred bucks and it was working petrol putting a bit of money away i was like all right this works and that was probably the best part for my surfing, I could still surf. But then the fella I worked for hurt himself and he was working at another company that was lifting heavier shit and deli- um, delivering like furniture, flat box sheds, wine, beer in, in, in like a quite a big van type truck, like an Iveco truck. And he's like, hey, I need you to come up here and learn this. I just need you for a couple months to just cover me. And I just went from casual to full full-time work monday to friday 12 hour days just <sighs> slogging it like rain hail or shine yeah it was brutal but um now i look back at it i'm thankful that i did it i realized what i don't want to do i never want to see that depot ever again and um i mean the people around the job were cool but i mean i'd love to i mean love to never see him again just just for the point that they're surrounded in that job or that work and being a full-time worker but yeah, it was some hard, hard weeks, 60 hours, so 12 hours a day, five days a week. You get to the weekend, you wouldn't even want to surf. Like for the first couple of weeks, my training and surfing was pretty much out the window. I just had no drive, which kind of brought on if I'm earning this money and working, I'm just going to go to the pub and kind of went down a bit of a, not a bad track, but it's got like kind of just what your mates do. Like they work all week as a tradie and get to Saturday and you just drink beers and I kind of had to click out of that pretty fast um, mm. or I would have probably not be where I am now. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad that I did and Tripaz, my, co- um, my trainer, got me back on track. I was like, hey, we need to start training. So even when I was doing those 12-hour days, like in winter it was 
um, in the dark, get leave in the dark, get home in the dark. Like I wouldn't see it. Like, I'd see the beach on the central coast because I'd drive down there for work. You'd be at Evoca and the ways of fun. I'm in a work truck in my fluoros, like delivering wine to Evoca Surf Club, just hauling 30 cartons of wine up the hill. That was torture. So, um, yeah, I mean, Tripod's got me back in. I would get into the gym three days a week no matter what after the 12-hour days and I just started enjoying it. I was like, this is all right. Even if I'm not surfing, I'm still staying fit. And I probably got fitter doing the job because I was on my feet. Even I was driving, you think truck drivers and courier drivers are sitting around lifting quite heavy stuff. And once I was on the sandy coast, I wasn't driving a lot. I was in and out of the, the van into houses to carrying quite heavy stuff. So I actually got quite fit doing it but yeah definitely definitely spurred something in me that i didn't want to be doing it for much longer so once that 2020 what must have been 2021 yeah 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 under 2020 into 2021 the qs's were coming back and i kind of told my boss that hey like i'm still wanted to be a professional surfer i'm gonna step back from work a little bit just do some casual but i'm happy to do what you need me to do did a couple of QEs, um, got a couple of little results, and then the Newey comp came up, and it was you all won the one at thing. I was yeah, I won the Port Stevens one, but I think that was after I got the wild card to Newey. So oh, okay, yeah, I got the wild. Well, I found out. I don't think anyone else knew. I got told from Meriwether that I got the wild card, and pretty much called my boss the next day and said I quit. <laughs> I was like, if I'm going to give this a full good old good old fashioned crack, I've got to. Well, I can't have that- any any distractions. I was like, even if money's a worry, whatever. Um, once you make it or you do good, you're not going to have to worry about that. So I just kind of had to separate myself from that and just go, oh, i got to give this a good, honest crack. And yeah, quit my job, finished the shifts, trained someone up and pretty much left that Friday. And I think the first comp back was that um, one mile one and got the win. And yeah, I just felt like my surfing just from, because I wasn't really free surfing and I went to one mile and I, and I won with not much surf practice and mm. i was like okay like, what what about when i actually put in the work like yeah and then put in the work into the ct and yeah like i said i gave it a low a close run in two heats and once i kind of was did that i was like i i feel like i deserve to be there and that's when it kind of clicked i was like make that challenger series and um get there so went to cabba like we like we talked about we know we me and you were both there needing the points to stay in the top 10 pretty that's stressful right. environment <laughs> They had the live rankings up and stuff and held in, got a fifth and stayed just inside the rankings, which was lucky. And then once I did that, I was like, I just pretty much committed everything to the Challenger Series, just started eating well, got off the beers, started training again properly with tripads and actually did some work with Luke Egan through Mary with the board riders. He was coaching us even with COVID. It was just virtually. I had my good buddy Pat Bond filming and just sending clips and, yeah, it was just like just committed everything to it and put all my eggs in that basket. And yeah, I mean, December came around and I qualified, but that journey through the Challenger Series, like you got to experience yeah. it, was one of the probably, even if I hadn't qualified, it was probably one of the coolest experiences just with how we all got around each other. And I think that started from Huntington, Cal and Lobby were in the draw and everyone was down there supporting. And then it went to Erisira, everyone was there. Yeah, let's um, talk about Erisira. Yeah. You got second there. That yeah. was... um. A pretty special event for you. That was probably the moment that you're like, you know what? <laughs> the next couple of events were very stressful for you. Yeah. But that was the event where it felt like you really found your flow and that was something really special to watch, getting second at the end of the event. How did that event feel for you? What was the emotions like going through that event? 
Yeah, I think I wrote a fair few things down. I actually haven't looked at it. I wrote in notes on my phone on the plane from America because I didn't really do too good in Huntington. But I knew that I'd done the work. And I think that was the biggest thing was knowing that I'd done the work. I've just got to be on the right waves and things will things will come. Like you put in the work, it's going to have to work at some point. Um, and if it's meant to be, the biggest thing on that trip was if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. I was just like, if I can go out and just do my best, be happy with my performances, things will just follow on. But that, yeah, that Aerosera contest, I just felt, I don't know, from the first heat, the first heat was probably the only heat that I really struggled in, but I still pulled a clutch one out in like the last minute. And um, I think I was just really nervous in that heat. Um, I was working with Richard Dog Marsh for the first time. I think he really helped me, got in my head in the right ways and just kept things really simple. There's always monkeys clapping up in my head. I've got a fair, fair bit going on up there. So I feel like he really, really helped me through that event. And yeah, I don't know, that whole event, I just felt like, not that I was unbeatable, but I just felt so comfortable. And mm. I felt like if I was at the end and the wave had to come, it would come. I just had like the, I had a heat with Vasco, Ramsey and Carly Vast. And I had a decent start and I just sat for like 10 minutes needing like a 6-1 or something. And I just didn't. Usual me, I'd be scrambling around looking for a six, but I just was like, no, I'm going to get an eight. And I just sat there and sat there. First wave of the set came, let it go. And I was almost like, what am I doing? And then the next one was just a perfect nugget with like two minutes to go. And I held out just that confidence. It was just like you have like the the feeling with when I had to come home when before mum passed out. It was a similar thing to that. Like I just felt like I knew whatever decisions I was making was right. Yeah. Yeah. So just that contest, I just felt like I really – clicked into gear and I felt like I was surfing at my best and it, it showed like, I mean, I kind of can look back at that event. That was a huge turning point for me. I was like, I know the points showed that I could qualify, but I think mentally I was like, okay, this is yeah. really in reach. The real deal. Real deal. But then, yeah, it gets tricky after that too. Like, What what about the ring of fire? How cool was that? Oh, that was the coolest thing ever. I mean, <laughs> I was wigging out whenever everyone's like, ring of fire. I, was like, I didn't win though. Like, they're like, nah, it's cool enough. And I'm glad we brought that that into into that like I'd, I'd never really got to experience that with the world juniors and stuff so i had to ask you and connor actually <laughs> what to say but nah just being inside of that circle with with like your best mates like aussie spirit like it was the coolest feeling like it'd be a cool thing to do before a heat you'd be so fired oh, up like maybe too fired yeah, up. <laughs> too fired up maybe but no nah, it was some one of the coolest feelings and i'm glad we've started that there um and i hope that i mean the generations that are under us see that and mm. do that at those events from a certain round onwards, like we kind of chatted about. We like we don't want to start it too early, look yeah. too egotistical or cocky. But I feel like semi final or final onwards, like it's something that is a very cool feeling and it's something super cool to be a part of. Yeah, how cool was it? Um, as you said, that Challenger series was something pretty special. Like I was chatting to Wade yesterday. Like I, after I lost, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to keep doing it. So I was like, and he was like, bro, how good was the good times too? And I was like, if that was the last overseas surfing I get to do, far out, we had a good time. And yeah. then like getting to watch you guys all do well was such a special thing. Yeah, for sure. I think like everyone just, I think the biggest thing was, yes, some people like myself and Connor had standout results, but I think just in India, but that just the, the way everyone was, regardless of the results, everyone was just supporting each other. Everyone was hanging out. Even when we just were tourists and went to Paris and just had fun. Like, I think everyone, I think that's why everyone, I mean, there's probably a lot of people that left that 
trip or they didn't have the results they wanted but i think they will enjoy that trip for oh, what it was exactly like, like what i just yeah, said just a good like, time. we had the best time and i think that's what fueled all of those results and i think it's probably the first time us aussies got got around each other properly i feel like when i first started the qe like yourself and wade and connor were super supportive but everyone wasn't really together in clicks. yeah but now it's like i mean i could kind of almost say i'm a bit of an older dog now i feel like what so does that just, leave me as? Yeah, no, no, no. But well, you're only just a bit older. But no, nah, just to like be able to just show that younger generation that this this works and support mm. each other and those results will be sweeter when your mates are around you and mm. you'll you'll feel the fire off that as well. Like I feel like like I was lucky enough to get the second, but I feel like if I was in another position, if I was in that ring of fire on the outside, that would have fired me up for the mm. next event. Like I think it probably fired Connor up. and Absolutely. And he won there and then it fired Cal up in Hawaii to, to qualify and lobby. Like I feel like we just had such a good environment. Even like guys like Jacob and Dill Moff, like even the guys that didn't qualify still had standout results and like Kalani Ball, probably mm. the biggest one on that trip, like had a really tough trot the whole way. Got in as one of the last alternates in Hawaii and made the semis. Like yeah. it was like, I think everything happened fueled everyone in 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 a different way, and yeah. there was definitely ups and downs for everyone. But I mean, you look back on that trip, I'll remember it for a long time for sure. Oh, absolutely, it's something I'll never forget. It was like from doing, I mean, I think I've probably done ten years on the QS. It was by far the most memorable for me. It was such a special just experience because we all lent into the idea of supporting each other, but also the idea of just enjoying the places we were at yeah. because I think we couldn't come home. It made us all be like, you know what? Let's just experience this and enjoy it. So that was amazing. Let's go into the next part. You qualified for the world tour. That's the goal for all of us. What was that like in Hawaii when you qualified? Oh, it was the most stressful week of my life. Oh, yeah, like I said, crazy, I came man. from, um, from Erisera the second, I was like third, fourth on the rankings. I was like, Oh, how good is this? Like go to France, get a quarters or something. I'm pretty much like on, um, I think even if I made a heat in France, one heat or two heats, I was on tour at the end of France. Like that's how close everything was and went there and kind of didn't really balance my emotions, lost first heat uh, with a weird double banking on mm. that surfing. Um, and then, yeah, went to Hawaii, had good prep, fired up, boards felt amazing. Um, and, yeah, came up short in a heat with um, Seth and Crosby. Um, and yeah, I came in from that heat and it was probably the most <sighs> empty that I've ever felt. I, I, I wasn't the usual angry loser that I was. I just came in and I was just defeated. I just felt like it just was in grass and I just let it go. Like it, that's what it felt like at that point. Like that I just let the dream go. Um, yeah, that was really hard. I just pretty much sat on the ground with a towel over my head for, 10 minutes just trying to just think of the words to say i call my missus usually i'm really defensive and like nah screw the jail or whatever i just i was just defeated like and um pretty much just copped it on the chin i pretty much just had to swallow it and go all right you've not qualified but then yeah the craziest thing happened ever i think there's 60 people or 60 um options that could have changed my my um following year and people could have jumped me and Watched, I watched it all unfold. People lost in the same position as me. Pressure. Pressure's a crazy thing, especially when the dream's so close. And yeah, every day just got better and better. People were losing. I just pretty much had like a, a notepad just ticking people off, just going, holy crap, like how are all these people losing? And pretty much came down to that last day. Um, we celebrated the night before for 
for lobbying Caltex because they got told the day before and I was <sighs> so jealous but it fired me up because I knew that I was close but I also knew that it may not happen that next day. There was um, um, there was ways that I couldn't qualify but everything was kind of showing that I probably could. I think there was four things that could happen and for me to qualify, two could happen, not three. So, like, I'd fall out that one spot. Um, I think people needed finals and semi, so it was pretty pretty hard for them to do, but, I mean, anything's possible. Mm. Watch the whole thing unfold, and I think I called um, – Kakoa called Travis after a heat. Um, I think Ian Gentile may have lost. He's like, is Jacko on? Like, mathematically, I knew I was on, but um, he didn't. He's like, we have to wait for California to give us a word. And then, yeah, my phone buzzed like five minutes later and had the call from Travis and – yeah, it was the best feeling ever to just hear those words. Tears? Like, no tears actually surprised me. Mrs. had tears. Where oh, dad had tears. Holy, they were those two. Hey, th- those two could have was raining. Um, I called M first, and I said if I FaceTime you, something good. I usually just call her and I like mm. FaceTime, and she's at work, and she just goes. She just looked at me. I went, I'm on. I qualified, and she just went, bah, like just bored her eyes. It's like everything we've ever worked for, like. Mm. I wanted to kind of mention her. She's been kind of like once I lost mum, I was so lucky that I met her during that time that she helped me through. She was my rock, like helped me through everything. And there's times where when I didn't have a job that she supported me through her job, like so now I get to be on tour and repay her and take her to events. Like we're we're a couple and partners for life, but like she really looked after me and bought food and stuff like that. Like she didn't have to do that, like Mm. took me in and, um, I moved into her house and stuff like that and, like, still lucky to live at Dad's as well, but, like, I moved in with her. I felt like that was where I needed to be with her. And so, yeah, I got her to thank. So it was, like, all that emotion of, like, ups and downs and losses and five days before I pretty much thought I wasn't going to qualify to that day to be mm. able to call her and say, we've done it. Like, we did this together. It wasn't just me. Like, it was a journey for both of us because it can change your life. Like, not just the money side, but this is something I've worked for since I thought about being a professional surfer to be on the world tour and have your own number and lucky enough to have the year mum was born on my back 61. It means everything to me just to be able to run out in that Jersey, regardless of the result is is something I'm super proud of and something I'll cherish regardless of how many years I'm on tour. But yeah, yeah, that was one of the most special feelings and dad as well, mate. I reckon he called, I reckon he cried more than him. It was crazy. It was something like he's, invested a lot into me and i'm so i'm just glad that i got to not repay him for that but like just to be able to go hey like we did this like Mm. i think yes it's an individual sport but a lot of things go in behind the scenes with family your partners and it's not just even just the community meriwether boy riders got around us to get us there where they go fund me like it wasn't it was me succeeding but i felt like i did it for everyone as well it was it was such a cool feeling yeah, man, it's so cool watching your face light up. I like oh. it. I get, I've haven't got goosebumps many times <laughs> I'm recording podcasts, and I'm like nonstop this whole chat because I have been your friend since we were like little kids, and it's like I'm so proud of you, dude. It's so special to see the journey you've been on, like where you're at, and it's so cool that you do recognize the input that your girlfriend, that your dad, that the community has had in what you've achieved, and it's really cool that you have that humility when it comes to it, and as well, it feels like almost that expectation that good things are going to happen to you after your mum passed away took some time yeah but they finally got there it's almost like that week of qualifying i bet that was like you would have almost had that feeling like oh that was what i was expecting to happen years ago finally that and it takes that perseverance to overcome those difficult times 
Let's talk about this year on tour. We'll, we'll go, we've got, been going pretty – actually, we're not too long. We'll keep, <laughs> we'll keep chatting. Now, I just want to hear about this year on tour. What's that been like? Stepping up from the qualifying series onto the world tour is a massive leap. You have had some crazy success. Well, maybe not as much as you've wanted, but you've put in some amazing performances. Let's talk about your very first wave at Pipeline. Oh, yeah. I rewatched that Holy like yesterday. Shit. I'll rewatch it. I rewatch it all the time. I'm, <laughs> How I'm close like, were you? Oh, it's like it, in my head, it's a bit of a blur. That's why I watched the video to like just refresh my memory. Mm. But oh, bees, oh, bees dick off. Like so <laughs> close. Like it but- was, I pretty much took off on it pretty much as my first proper pipe wave nearly ever like mm. i can't really recall many free surfs getting a wave or an opportunity like that that was that good and very lucky that cacao because i got in my head before really just because i was so nervous we mm. prepared for weeks i got a fin in the back of the head two weeks before i got a board in the eye i got a scar here like right on my eyelid three days before i was just like what else could go wrong like i've had the worst prep not getting any waves in free surfs like Really just concentrating on my lineups, which I'm so glad I did. I felt like picking the houses where I needed to be, just even though you're not getting waves, mm. that, that goes a long way. But when that wave came, I just had everything, goes, everything that you've worked for is down to this. Just have a dig and show mm. them that you deserve it. That wave came and Miguel was on my outside. He was pushing pretty hard. I was like, well, I can't let him go. Like, I just got to go here. And then pretty much just clicked into autopilot, eh? I was just like, holy shit, this is everything I've worked for. And you just tunnel vision, take off, pull up. And the thing threw and I was like, holy shit, this is the biggest cave I've ever been. I was pumping through it. It's going, oh my God. In my head, I'm just like, let me out. I only need like a four or five. Like I'd mm. love to start the comp with like a four or five or a yeah. five or a six. And the thing just kept running. I was like, I looked down, I was on sand. I was like, I'm over the reef now. I must be like in front of the Volcom house. Like it just oh. kept going. Almost went slow motion for a minute. And then, yeah, the foam will kind of hit me from behind and kind of blasted me. I felt like for a bit there it was going to shoot me out like because I was still grabbing it my rail. It kind of pulled you back in. It kind of like shot me then pulled me back in. Um, but, yeah, I could see the exit and the foam will kind of just obliterated me. But, yeah, I mean, still it's probably – even though I didn't make it, I still reckon it's probably the best day of my life. Just That's- the vision – the meaning of it when it happened, like first ever wave on the CT, it's like, man, I could have come out and started with a 10. Like, I, I, know, I, I don't even know what I would have claimed. Like, I'm oh, a bit of a claimer. I don't even know what I would have done. No, it would have just been, I would have just been disbelieved. <laughs> I would have been like that one in that mentality shit we have where I came up with my hands on my head. I was just about to bring that up. I was like, I remember one more wave like that <laughs> where you got the cover on that trip. Um, I was going to bring that up in sort of context before talking about that pipe way. Yeah. So Jackson and I have been lucky enough to do a few surf trips. We went to the Mentwai Islands in Indonesia. Oh, it would have been a while back now, six years ago, 2016. I it was, yeah, it would, I think it was 2016. I think it was the year mum passed away. I yeah, think and we had the most incredible surf. I still, I guarantee you'll still say that was the best surf we've ever no surfed. No one around. I couldn't uh, believe it. Everyone on that trip from Conor O'Leary, Wade Carmichael, Kalani, me and you. That was yeah, it. that's five There was... I've, we've, I still reckon every single one of us will say that was the best day of surfing we've ever had. Yeah. It was, anyway, Jackson gets. Well, let's you'll be honest. Probably weren't that comfortable out there. No, it was. I was, shit, I, was, I was shitting myself. I was. I was scared. It, I had no real backside barrel experience in stuff like that. Yeah, and it was it was intimidating, but. All of us boys were like, this perfect one came. We're like, you got to go. It was Jackson. my priority. And I was like, I was almost trying to give it away. I said, anyone want it? And you guys just went, no, nah, you're going. You go, go. And I almost like hesitated as I paddled in, but I think that got me deep enough. Like, mm. 
and you I, like, pulled up. I pulled up, nearly fell, and then went no hands the whole way through, like, accidentally. Pretty similar, yeah, like, no accident, no hands, and then got, like, spat out over the foam boy into the channel, and Swilly's just sitting there going, I was just like, it was the and that was the cover of surfing life. Yeah, I got the I got the cover. It was was it? I oh, was it tracks. I think it was tracks. tracks yeah, tracks, tracks. tracks. But um, yeah, I was like, I'm more thankful for you boys. Just like, I mean, like, I don't know boys on a trip. I would have just gone if you're being a pussy, just go. Like someone else go. But I'm glad everyone just cheered me in. Like, been sitting for a while, really thinking about it. But I think I overcome the big fear then, and just and and it paid off. Well, I think well, I think, that yeah, that was kind of where I wanted to go with context of pipe. It's cool to see your progress and where you've come of overcoming those fears. Let's talk about just those next couple of events on tour. What was it like after that pipeline event going into sunset and um, Portugal, you had some good performances, but there is a new system this year. It's obviously probably pretty daunting. You've got two more events. I think you're sitting just outside the car yep. and you've had good performances this year. What were those next two events like? And what's your mindset going into these last two events here in Australia? Yeah, I was after pipe. I mean, realistically, I mean, you don't put negative thoughts in your head, but oh, I, I wasn't surprised if I wasn't gonna get a thirty third. Mm. Like I just get to surf pipe and won that first set. I was like, oh, well, I've done better than what I did. And drew John, blah blah blah, and I was just like, all right, like learning curve. I got to surf heat against John. Sunset came around, and oh, I love sunset. I feel like I feel so at home out there. Had some great free surfs and end up winning my first heat. Got over Griffin and David. I was like, all right. And, Seemed like there was some good chatter in the commentary. Like they were saying I look comfortable and I just felt really comfortable. I feel yeah. really good out there. Kakoa stuck me on a 6.8 when I probably could have rode a 6.6, six, but just being a bigger guy, you can enjoy it. Your turns that little bit extra. And then, yeah, drew Geordie in round three and, um, yeah, put a good heat together. Had 14 points in like the first couple of minutes. Oh, not mm. a couple of minutes, but like in, in my non- first half No, in the non-priority, I think I had 14 points and yeah. had him on the ropes. And, yeah, I mean – Geordie's a veteran. He comes back and um, he got me in the end. But I mean, just to have a heat with him out there. But I felt like for me, I really got comfortable. I was like, I can beat these guys um, all the time, especially out of tricky wave like Sunset. Most people were struggling and stuff like that. So yeah, to get 14 points. And I mean, I was just happy with my performance, my overall performance. So um, to go out of there and then take that to Portugal and I really wanted to beat Geordie and get a ninth there. That would have definitely made life easier, but I felt like that fueled the fire into Portugal, especially in some really cool beachy type conditions. And yeah, won the first heat, got Geordie back, uh, which is pretty cool in some pretty QE type conditions. And then drew Seth. And I thought, well, probably need turns to beat Seth because he's such a good barrel rider. And we got probably one of the best waves in a heat, um, best waves for a heat that we, we got on that day. And, yeah, ended up getting him um, under How priority on two scores. Line. Yeah, the second eight was... Um, you yeah. got clipped coming in. I got into clipped it. and I think it slowed me down enough that I got up and I stood in there and it was almost just like autopilot because once it kind of clipped me, my eyes were almost shut and then I hit that chandelier and like I'd been, I'd fallen off and so many people that week had fallen off coming out of chandeliers. Mm. Like they just would engulf you and I just went, oh, and just muscled up and pushed through and then I blinked and I looked back and went, what do I do? And I did the disclaimer because I was so surprised and I needed it too. I needed like a six or a seven. Yeah. And I thought your first one got a bit underscored. Yeah, again. I thought so too. I felt like I put that wave together really well, mm. but I had 15 points and I was going in to hassle Seth and yeah, finished with a ninth. That next heat was tricky, but I feel like every event I'm learning and everything's moving in a positive direction. I mean, results wise, it's, it, it's hard because you're thinking about the cut, but my biggest thing is I just want to finish events happy with my performance and, um, 
that'll lead to results. I mean, I'm going down to Bells where I feel pretty quite at home at. Big open walls, I feel like that's my forte. Um, growing up here at Merriweather, we get quite similar big walls to that. So going down there and then in the Margaret River, two heavy water waves, I feel like. Put my mind to it. Um, everything from pipe, from sunset to Portugal, I've learned and I'm going to take that forward and I feel like that'll um that'll really help me in these next few events to make the cut and move on to the rest of the year and on to next year. Mate, it's been um so cool getting to hear your journey and what your story has been like from obviously the upbringing your mum's story is so so incredible i'm sure so many people will be so touched by it and then onto your surf journey the way that you've gone through working into this re kind of reimagined jacko baker where you kind of change your mindset from the oh i don't know if i can do this to oh i hope the universe gives it to me to you know what i'm going to take it into my own hands i'm going to make it happen and like look where you are i'm like i'm so proud of you like yeah. i said before it's been so cool even just like reminiscing on some of the surf trips just before yeah, and sure. talking through some of your waves and some of your experiences over the last year has been really cool i'm sure you've probably had a good time having this chat it's been yeah, cool it's like been reflecting good. bloody oath it's good to just chat and yeah i mean from the part of my mum to just competitive side i mean i hope anyone that listens can take anything out of it and um, just have a chat to you. I mean, we're just chatting like we were down the beach, so it's cool to, cool to do it on this. And if anyone can take anything out of this chat and like I said, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm, I'm only a message away and I try to be pretty good on socials to reply. And yeah, like I said, if I can help anyone out or I hope this chat inspires anyone that's gone through a similar thing or yeah, anything like that. Like, it's good to chat to you, Coops. Oh yeah, bro. It's been great having you on here. I will leave Jacko's Instagram and whatnot in the show notes. I'm excited to pull together some assets from this one because I'm going to find a couple surf clips at Pipe Wave. I'm going to bring something. I'm going to find a video of that wave in um in Indo as well. I reckon I might have that on a hard drive. I'll have that on my phone. I can text I'll have to get it, it yeah. you to send it because I want to make some cool assets of these stories because it's going to be interesting to reminisce on these times. And yeah, I know so many people are going to be inspired. So thanks so much for jumping. Actually, I almost forgot. I've, I asked everyone one last question and I almost forgot. I've done, I've got about 30 episodes in a <laughs> row. But too good, too good of a chat. The last question I finished with everyone is what does being a good human mean to Jacko Baker? Um, I think being a good human is just someone that just, I doesn't have to be like an athlete or anyone inspirational. I think just if you're getting the most out of your days and being the best person you can be, um, I think everyone has their ups and downs and things they, are not proud of or that they I think it's just as long as you learn from those times and um, move forward and shape yourself into the best person you can be and do your family proud do your mum and dad proud that's what they, they put you on this earth for a reason to just do them proud and do everyone proud that you can so it's probably my my um description of that absolutely man thank you so much for entering that question i almost forgot it so i'm glad <laughs> like we got it in and what the, the crazy thing is with that question from 40 you we guess 42 no one's had the same answer. That's so it. it's really cool to see that we all have a different articulation and a different understanding of what being a good human is. And there's no such thing as a singular good good human. It's like you said, the way that we shape ourselves, the way we wake up yeah. and take on the next day. So for sure, mate, big thanks for jumping on. It's been an absolute pleasure. This is Jackson Baker on Good Humans Podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Coops. Good to have a chat. You. This has been a Wellbeing Network podcast. <laughs> Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.